across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or at the web. VeteransRadio.org is our new URL, VeteransRadio.org. Where we're on the web 24-7, you can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.org. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at LegalHelpForVeterans.com We want to welcome to Veterans Radio today Marine retired Gunny Sergeant Twyla Rochelle Cawthon uh, Welcome to Veterans Radio Thank you so much I'm a Marine veteran, that's fine yep, Thank you <laughs> Well, you're, they're always uh, Marines, right? Uh, it never really ends And you actually have uh, a tremendous legacy of service uh, post uh, active duty in the Marine Corps, you're a retired educator, you're very active with the American Legion, you're very active with Girls State, uh, you've, you're a member, an active member of the East Coast Marine Corps Drill Instructors Association, uh, and uh, uh, you're a Steelers fan, so we could talk about all of those things. <laughs> well, that's cool. <laughs> but, but what we're going to talk about is your... Uh, relationship uh, with the National Association of Black Military Women. Um, you're the chaplain for the Brooklyn, New York division of the National Association of Black Military Women. But before we get into that, how did a nice kid like you from uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania area, I think, uh, uh, end up in the Marine Corps? Well, I had uh, finished all my credits for school. And all the colleges that were trying to reach out to me were colleges that were out of the state. My father has one child on this earth, me, and he wasn't going to let me leave out of the state. And I had, I was a student that was active in school, and I had held a, a host of an event every year at the school where we had different people coming in talking about careers. And I was actually friends with the Marine recruiter downtown. Now, the Marine recruiter had no idea that I was going to come down there. I actually went to the Army recruiter, but he he wasn't talking right. So uh, <laughs> ended up uh, joining the Marines. When my, my recruiter was Jesse Ferguson, the third, one of the best recruiters ever because he didn't lie. Well, it's really, it's really surprising how many people I talked to who had good recruiters, 
and and remember their name and you know stayed with them the whole time stayed connected now how long did you serve in the marine corps uh gunny sergeant a few months of uh, 12 years i went in in uh, 1979 and i got out in 1991 and as i said you've uh, had a really impressive career post service uh, give us a little thumbnail maybe flesh in some of the things i mentioned uh, that you want to highlight uh, let's see. I was, uh, as I, as you mentioned, I'm a retired educator. I was a former police officer. I'm a decorated police officer in Akron. Had two life-saving missions that, uh, that I, I actually received accommodation for. Mm, let's see. I belong to the American Legion. I am the past department commander in Washington, D.C. I am the national chaplain, which is the sky pilot for the 24, which is the American Legion Women's Honorary Society. I'm the first graduate of National American Legion College from the District of Columbia. I belong to AMVETS, DAV, Women Veterans Alliance, Moffat Point Marines, National Association of Black Military uh, Women, of course, but National uh, Black Veterans, NAPVETS, and just a host of, uh, I can't even name all the different things I belong to, and I actually put time in them. It's not just the name on the rolls for them. But, yes, uh, we do a whole lot of advocacy for homeless veterans. I deal with trying to corp to sculpt out pieces of, of executive orders or to try to get a focus on military sexual trauma and PTSD and not just that for the veteran, but some therapy services for the veteran's family members who are also disaffected because that's the population that people are ignoring. Absolutely. The children that live up in these households. In these households. So yeah. It's just a whole lot of things. Homelessness with veterans, homelessness with women veterans is on the rise. In fact, the largest population of homeless women on the street are women veterans. They can't take their children in the shelters with them. They can't take their... Uh, Oftentimes, they can't take their spouses. Their spouses were not veterans as well. It's just a whole lot of things. So there's a whole lot that we're dealing with, and we just try to do piece by piece. And the National Association of Black Military Women, that's really what it is. It's focusing about trying to make veterans whole. Well, it's such an important uh, uh, organization because there is an increase in women uh, in the military, thus an increase in women veterans. Uh, there's certainly a high percentage of uh, African Americans uh, make up the military forces today. I think it's something like 19% of the troops, and women make up about 16% of the troops. But there's a there's a disparity in the number of officers, uh, black officers. Uh, I think it's 9% as compared to 19% of the troops. So there's still a whole lot of work to do, and you've probably seen that progression since you joined up in 1979. But talk about some of the work that still needs to be done and that the National Association of Black Military Women are working on. need to increase the input of qualified young black men and young black women to join the military and join officer ranks as well because where you might have numbers coming in on the enlisted side, officer ranks start getting thin after they are O3s. And by the time you come to the field grade or general grade, you can count them on one hand. And I thought that I would see an increase in the Marine Corps as far as overall officer improvement of minorities, period. 
then there's an increase, the largest increase for Hispanics, but blacks and Asians, the numbers went down. And some of this is just getting ex- uh, enough folks in the funnel, but then as they go up in years, at, you know, at, as you say, you stayed till 12 years, those next eight or so are the ones where you've got to get the right kind of assignments and you got to know the right people. Um, it, it is a numbers game, but there's clearly also a bias that, that exists in life in general, but also in the military, isn't there? It's true. As a matter of fact, the officers that were black that I served with, and one of them was actually Arthur Ashe's brother, Johnny Ash. He was a captain at Camp Lejeune who couldn't seem to get past captain and ended up getting out of the Marine Corps as a captain along with Captain Larry Ray Sims. And I'm calling these persons out by name because these are phenomenal black men who had excellent quality degrees from from upper echelon schools and high scores, but they could not seem to get past that wall. And there was a study that was out some years ago where black officers were interviewed and were asked about black Marine officers. And they said that the biggest thing is that I'm asked to be twice as good or three times as better as my, my peer. And I'm also asked that I have to assimilate, I have to acclimate, I have to make all the adjustments in life in order to even be considered. And so that was tough. And for me, being where I worked in every place I was assigned, even though I was enlisted, we as enlisted people were able to help the black officers better than they could actually help us. You know, and, and, you know, this is a uh, problem uh, that exists in the country uh, as people don't necessarily appreciate the um, work and the quality of of individuals. But let me go back to a comment you made about enough qualified young black men and women entering Mm -hmm. the service. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I ask a lot of folks this question because we have a current recruiting crisis in all, all of the services, maybe Marines a little less, but uh, otherwise we're, we're kind of falling short of our manpower goals. And, and are we doing enough to encourage qualified uh, young black men and women to see the opportunities that exist in, in a military service? No, we're not. And that's because well, there's a lot of factors. One, corporate America offers higher salaries and and better opportunities in a lot of ways. Um, You have a lot of people who might have family members that were service members, and they see their parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles who try to apply for their disability cases have to go through all types of red tape only to be denied year after year after year. And so they're kind of chagrined as to, wow, so you give this time of your life and this part of your life to the military, and this is how they do you. And that's just across the board as well, because that's not only just the experience of of black civilian men and women, but everyone. And then the climate of this country. The question is, what does it mean to be patriotic? We're in a, and we have been, I'll say, for the past, I'm going to say, probably about 14 years in a a great divide as far as loyalty and patriotism to this country and what that really means because there's so much of a divide between the the, the uh, political factions, extreme ideologies on both sides, the biases that we see in media reporting, and the overall 
prison the pipeline system that's taking our young people at an early age and, and no correction in sight. When you can't get qualified urban, and I was taught in an urban community, and I was thinking about how many students I actually taught that by the time they got out of high school within the next year were eligible to have even considered applying for the military. And the numbers are low and short. Some because they couldn't have passed the test or passed numbers so low. Others because they wouldn't have passed the psychological because they are traumatized. They're not trauma services for the communities when, and when uh, tragedies occur. How do you think a child feels if in the summertime someone gets shot on my sidewalk in my house in my, or, in my, or in my house or in the sidewalk in my neighborhood and I have to walk back and forth this same sidewalk in the fall to school? And I have to deal with that thinking, am I going to get shot going to school? Or I'm going to get a stray bullet going to school or, or just any number of things. I'm at home in the house and the stray bullet comes in the house and hits and kills one of the persons in their household. There isn't any trauma therapy for these people. And this is where we are recruiting, supposedly, the next generation of, of service members. And it's just not happening. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, there are a lot of factors as why why the recruiting goals are missed. And those are certainly some of them. And and mm-hmm. But you pose the question, and this is certainly an American Legion uh, statement coming out of you, I think, when you asked, what does it mean to be patriotic? Because that's... That's sort of at the core of it all. Do you owe something to the country? Does this country owe something to you? What do, what do you view as, what's your answer, Twyla, to, to the question of what does it mean to be patriotic? For me, it's loyalty to this country, even if I don't agree with all the policies that are in place. I've seen enough places in the world to know that this is the country that I want to live in. I was born here, I live here. I like to travel outside of here, but this is where this is it for me. I've seen other systems and other places. I think that we have not progressed as far as we should have in with certain groups of people in this country. And that makes it hard when you're trying to uh, translate this idea of patriotism to, to, to other people. But I think that it starts in your household. You have to come from a household where people actually have a view of this country that in spite of, we still got to work, we still got to, and the historical context of the people who laid the groundwork for us before. I stand on the shoulders of the women from the 6 888. I stand on these that's, women's and shoulders. That's, that's an incredible story, and uh, veteran radio listeners, if you don't know about the uh, 6 888, I've got a podcast interview on that. Uh, go search it. It's an incredible story uh, from World War II. Yes, indeed. And, and and the fact that if these women had not sacrificed in spite of, how long would it have taken for black women to have been able to serve this country in any, any branch? But I, my father was a, a, a veteran, and all of my father's male siblings served in some capacity, and well, all of them were in the Army. And so it was it was, for me, something I grew up with. You know, I grew up with it, and it was in the household. It was in in my community. But, of course, now coming through an era where you see these Vietnam service members, it was a conflicted time, but I also had relatives that served in World War II. And I I would listen to the banter between the two groups. To be a patriot means that that you're 
you're not here to harm your community or harm the members in your community in any form of fashion or those in society. To be a patriot means you need to be a law-abiding citizen. Law-abiding. Law-abiding. To be a patriot, you need to be productive. Whatever your, your intelligences allow you to do and whatever your physical capabilities allow you to do, to be a contributor to the success in your household, in your neighborhood, in your community. To me, that's patriotism, uh, being, patri being patriotic, because I'm not here to say that I agree with everything our government. And there are times that one party says something and I'm just cringing and I'm really just clicked out in a different direction and the opposite side as well. I don't think any party left or right, A, B, C, or D has all the answers. I, but I do make my, a point to stay involved with seeing what issues are at hand. And although I can't do the correction at maybe at the national level, what can we do at our local levels? And that's where I think the mark is being missed. People don't understand the importance of local government. Yeah, Gunny, I think you're right. It starts in the home and local communities. If your local community doesn't recognize and support military service, as you say, being law-abiding, then it's unlikely that uh, the, the community is going to be supportive of, of military service. You went from being in the Marines, uh, career in policing, career in education. Uh, did you get the opportunity to use the GI Bill to get some of your education? Unfortunately, and this is where information doesn't get passed well, when I joined they had stopped the GI Bill, and they had this program called the VEEK program. Oh, yeah, that was a horrible one. Very, very much so, because I could not benefit from it, although I, when you, if you pay the amount, what happened was that when I went to college, I was fortunate enough to get a lot of scholarships. I got all kinds of scholarships for academics. I got a ton of scholarships. I got a scholarship for broadcasting. I had all kinds of scholarships because when they used my education benefit, what they did was they sent me a $114 check a month. And I was not able to access the other benefits that they had put in, although I found out afterwards that I should have been able to cross over to, a, I think it was a Montgomery Mon GI Bill. It was, but yeah, that was next. Montgomery was next, yep. They did not tell us. Some of the, the units did not tell you. You did not know. And my chagrin is that the VA does not allow you to go back and grandfather the people who did not get the word. That's we didn't what, get the information. That's really why it's important that the work that uh, VSOs do, such as the American Legions, VFW, DAV, um, because it's a complex set of benefits that veterans have, and it changes over time. And what didn't work at one point might work later on, and you need somebody who knows what they're talking about to help guide you and the other thing I find is, you know, when you tell an, uh, an 18-year-old or a 24-year-old uh, kid what his benefits are, they don't, they're not even hearing you. So it's really important when it's time to really look at these things to go back. And that's why your work with the American Legion and some of the other uh, groups you've mentioned is so important. And I, I suspect you feel the same way. I, I do feel the same way. I just wish that uh, – I wish moreover – that we would see more productive turnaround for claims because they're, they're, they're swamp. I mean, they are swamp and they're swamp for any number of reasons. I wish that 
when a person says that I have been sexually assaulted, that they don't have to go through so many people to continually be, to be, you know, to tell the story over and over again. I've had women who, and men, whom have been traumatized, and then afterwards they get triggered by telling this person who's typing this stuff out or listening, and then I have to go, well, I don't have to, but I go to the hospital and I visit them or I take them there or, or talk them down so that they don't go back in that deep place. I wish that we had uh, more physical access locations for some of these veteran service organizations to have house, you know, physical structures. I think that if we had communities that really were focused more on on veterans affairs and dealing with the veterans, because veterans organizations, National Black um, um, Military Women, American Legion, we have tenants that we actually do community work. And but to try to purchase buildings and maintain buildings and you know, it's it's hard. So that means that we're all stretched out trying to come together for common causes and common goals. And where we do, the idea is that you have all these vacant buildings in these locations where we're 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 nonprofit organizations and there's a whole lot of benefit a community would have by allowing organizations to have these structures. Let us rehab them and use them so they'll be purposeful for the entire community. And one one of the things that can be done with an association like the National Association of Black Military Women or any of the VSOs we've been mentioning is that you have a voice in those associations that's much powerful, more powerful than the individual's voice because it's a collective voice and it's heard more at in Washington or the state capitals and what have you. Um, the Association of Black Military Women is recently lending its voice to the issue of uh, the makeup of the U.S. military academies, uh, the military, both both West Point, Annapolis, um, trying to make sure that appropriate measuring is being done of getting candidates into the service. Into the, into the academies, and that race should remain a factor of some sort in admissions. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the National Association of Black Military Women's voice on that issue? Certainly. Um, when you talk about the makeup of the military, our United States Armed Forces should be a microcosm of our society. And if our society is made up of 13% of one group, then the military should be 13% of that same group, at least to hit that mark. And when you have students that want to go to Harvard or University of Michigan or the University of Akron, you sign papers, you, you pay the tuition, you go to school, you get your grades, and you get your diploma. That's quid pro quo. I do something, you do something in return. In the military, when you go to these military academies, it's a little different. And this is why the race must be, because the mission of the students who attend military academy goes beyond the walls of academia. The persons who sign up to say that I'm going to go to military academy is saying, I'm also signing up to give X number of years of my life in service. When we look at the numbers of, of persons who serve, we notice that there's a difference. I can speak heartily to this when you find at least one face that looks familiar to you versus being 
and a whole base and none. I know that when I was in, General Peterson was a gentleman that I worked for. He was the first black general in the Marine Corps. First one. But General Peterson, I met up with him at Quantico, and every person who's attached to Quantico as a general knows that they're the base commander. That was their twilight tour. And as great as he was, he knew that he was never getting promoted beyond that, and his chances of ever becoming the commandant of the Marine Corps were ditched. 246 years, the Marine Corps never had a black person as, as a commandant of the Marine Corps at all, or the assistant commandant. This is 2024 now. That's just un, unrealistic to think about. But even now, you only have one person that could ever be that, and that was the gentleman who was, who was uh, well, the Marine that was promoted two years ago. The military academies must factor in because are in, their obligation is to ensure, to ensure that the military looks like society and that the military must function in a way that a student coming out of Harvard doesn't have to deal with, a student coming out of Michigan have to deal with. If I go inside of a Walmart or Walgreens and every, every pharmacist is, is, is Caucasian or Indian or whatever, it's not going to affect me when we're in next because they're giving me medicine. They, I'm going home. I'm leaving out. But in the military, I'm having to have a sense of comfort about the person dealing with my life in my hands. And you don't want to have people in places where they don't see that they can ascribe to be at that level. The military academy's assignment is different. Their mission is different. The focus is different. And therefore, you must at least know who you're getting coming in. I know that it's not the main issue. I know that it's not the, the overall arcing issue, but it must be considered because the military is not the civilian society. No, uh, it's, no it, it, it has an obligation to protect the entire country. That's right. However, That's it's absolutely however it's made up. And, and one of the things the National Association of Black Military Women is doing is uh, supporting some lit, uh, federal lawsuits that are calling for uh, clarity on this issue of affirmative action at the service academies. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out because it has big social, political issues related to it. Um, and it uh, kind of goes back to this whole issue of having uh, uh, the right representation and, and qualified young black men and women wanting to participate uh, in military service, in public service, like you've done, uh, Gunny, uh, in the Marine Corps, in, the, in law enforcement as an educator. Uh, we've been talking to Twyla Rochelle Cawthon, 12 years in the Marine Corps, um, and uh, we're talking to her as a representative of the National Association of Black Military Women. We really appreciate the time you've given us today, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you, what you've told us. Hopefully, you're able through the organizations to spread that around to to the community and 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 maybe encourage some other kids out there, uh, if you will, to uh, at least take a hard look at military service and and look what might be in it for them. Right. Absolutely, because if you are looking for a place where you can get to learn a, a great skill that you can use outside of, of the, the military, here you are. If you're looking to try to advance yourself ed education-wise, 
you can do I went to school I was in in the Marine Corps with the school when I was out I went to school I mean and with the programs that they have I remember one class I only paid 86 cents for because I was um <laughs> and A5 and it was a it was called the tuition assistance program but yeah it's if you're looking to get out of even out of uh, your your impoverished home or and that was in my case or you just want to just to uh go and see something different or like I remember out when I was at Campus June, there were car carrying members of the KKK in my barracks. And they used to have rallies down in and off of Marine Boulevard. And this was in nineteen eighty at Camp Lejeune. One month there was a rally and it was a last minute call. They were rounding up all the Marines. We were told, Hey, you gotta get off off out of town and you know, liberty was secured. The person who made the bus driver open up because I did was a boot. I mean, I was young. I didn't even know what was going on. I didn't know what was wrong with people. With this guy ran to the front of the bus. It was a Carol Camino Trailway bus. And he swung that thing open that opens the door. And he reached out to grab my hand. And I'm running and I grab him. And I find out afterwards because he lived in my barracks. And that was why he reached out for me. He was a member of the KKK, car carry member. We talked at lunch one day over at the chow hall, and he told me, you know, that he was. And I said, I don't even know. It was some kind of, I was thanking him for just helping me out. He said, well, I couldn't see you out there getting hurt. So he looked beyond his own personal views. And I found out later on the reason why he had belonged to it because his house is the culture of his family. Sure. And he sure. had never known anyone that was black, but he, by the time his enlistment was up, had renounced all of that because he said, I see we're all together and we're the same. And that's what the military also does because you get in the military, and I don't care what branch, everybody is, we're all one. We're in this together. We're going to sink or swim together. And some people need that so that they can be mature when they leave the service and be productive citizens who have high levels of patriotism. Yeah, as you say, it gets you outside of the culture, maybe a, a bad culture that you grew up in. If you got overseas duty, you got to see the rest of the world and realize, uh, as you said uh, uh, earlier, part of patriotism is realizing that this is the country you want to live in. It's a lot worse in a lot of other places in the world. And you kind of have to, you know, you see that when you do the military uh, overseas assignments and go, oh, man, <laughs> home don't look yeah, so bad now. Right, too. Even when you're stateside, some of the places that you are stationed in in, in stateside, when you leave that city, if you're, if you're in one city where the base is located, you drive 15 miles outside of that city. I remember in 1980, there were places outside of Jacksonville, North Carolina, that still had outhouses. I'm stunned. I said, right. outhouses? Not too far from the base. Yeah. Well, Twyla, we really appreciate you taking a little time uh, with us today on Veterans Radio to talk about some of your experiences and views and the, and the role that the National Association of Black Military Women are playing in the larger discussions going on about military service. Thank you for this opportunity. I, I really appreciate it. It was my honor. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fossone. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800.
or LegalHelpForVeterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by visiting us at VeteransRadio.org. That's VeteransRadio.org. And until next time, you are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, nvbdc.org, VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles Chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan. VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor. And the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. We appreciate all your support. You can go to veteransradio.net, click on the sponsor level, and continue to support keeping Veterans Radio on the air. And until next time... You are dismissed.